Hi, hello, and welcome to Oh Boy, the podcast presented by Man Repeller. I'm your host, Jay Bume, and today's guest is the writer Maddie Kahn. Chances are that you've come across her writing before on Man Repeller, uh, among many other places. Currently, she's been covering politics for Elle magazine, which I would imagine has kept her quite busy. I really enjoyed our conversation that we had in my kitchen. But before we get into it, this week we are thrilled to thank Audible.com for supporting Oh Boy. For a free 30-day trial, go to audible.com MR. That's audible.com MR, as in Man Repeller. Sign up now for your free audiobook. Thank you, Audible. All right, let's get into it. talk all day long I'm afraid actually I can tell you about a fight I just had with my boyfriend that was right about that it's very interesting oh really what was it well I didn't ever realize that some people don't like to talk all day long Mm. I guess I sort of intellectually knew it but I (laughs) I didn't really know and he explained to me that sometimes when people have been talking for like 12 hours then they just want to take a break and read a book or something right but I just the more I talk the more I feel like I could talk Every time I touch on a subject, there's just more to say. Like you're just like a, it's like a snowball rolling down. It's the just hill like I I am the abominable snowman. <laughs> so then I had to learn that. Um, I think I got it now. I really do. When I walked into the my apartment just a little while ago, I I got caught in the hallway listening to the neighbors upstairs fighting. Ooh. Can they fight all the time? Is it good stuff or is it like you're bored of it already? It's not. I mean, it's not good stuff. You know, I'm not like, oh boy, they're they're not in a good spot right now. No, that is unfortunate. <laughs> you know, I mean, but I feel like I can hear them going up there. Yeah. Yeah. Just wait. Hold on one second. Okay, I think they're gone. <laughs> it was nice to meet you. Yeah. Um, where'd you grow up? I'm- Actually, you know what? No. How about this? I always ask that question. I have, let me rephrase it. Okay. Go ahead. Try it out on me. Because I just yeah. Um, do you know Kate? At Man Repeller? Yes. Yeah, she's like, why do you always ask that question first? I'm like, I don't know. I just think that's a good place to start. I feel like it's a great, it's like the very beginning. There's a whole song about it because it's such a good place to start. Where did you grow up? No, let's start at the very beginning. It's a very good place <laughs> to start. I don't, who is that? Um, I think it's from The Sound of Music. Oh, oh a yeah. A timeless yeah. musical. <laughs> Before everyone was talking about Hamilton, okay, they were talking about The Sound of Music. Man, you know, I've had this idea... Let me just pitch it to you for a second. Go for it. I hear this every day. So when I was 13, Hmm. or maybe 14, maybe 13, I saw Rent, the play, Mm -hmm. twice. I never saw it ever again. So what I want to do is I want to do, I want to write a play called Rent from Memory. Hmm. And write the play from what I remember it. Okay. I don't really remember the songs. Like, I don't really remember the characters. I don't really remember what happens so i'm just gonna like fill it in as i see fit great so would you go see that if it was like you see a play called rent from memory are you a good writer yeah oh yeah hell yeah then i would totally see it okay i need to get but it was funny because my friend was telling his other friend about this who's a lyrics and music Mm -hmm. man he's like i saw rent twice too when i was 13 He's like, I want to get on. I want to get on the ground floor. But I actually feel like that's the key. It would have to be somebody else who saw it at the same age, because like you were probably just paying attention to the sex and the drugs. Yeah, and I'm also I just remember there was like a voicemail 
There was a lot of like answering machine oh, messages. Oh, there was. I remember that there too. Was a hot and like plate. whiny Jewish voices yeah, like... that really resonated with me because of my childhood. <laughs> I was like, is this my life? Wait, no, it's definitely not. Yeah. But it seemed possible. But yeah, like, so I remember that. I remember the only, I only remember one song top to bottom. So that's mm. probably the only song that will stay intact. Okay. Well, you need an anchor. So that's great. And then I remember there's one song that's about an amount of time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's about it. Okay, well, I'm not going to ruin it for you. I'm don't, not no, going to no, tell no, you don't. what the amount is. Yeah, no, don't, don't, don't. You don't want to know. I'm excited <laughs> about this. I think I'm happy to have been on the ground floor in this kitchen yeah. when this idea was developed. This is, you know, this is a great space. This is a great incubator for ideas. Like some mm-hmm. of our best ideas have come from here. Well, there's like a lot of great magnets. I feel like that's just a jumping off you, point. You know, thank you so much. Do I work people, really hard on my magnet collection. They're extremely beautifully curated. I love anthropomorphic food. There is nothing funnier to me that. than like an orange with some eyes and a mouth on it, you know? Mm-hmm. Or look at that pineapple. I know. Is he that... drinking himself, you know? No, no one knows. <laughs> that's that's the freedom of interpretation right there. Yeah. <laughs> wow, you've got a healthy collection. Okay, okay. moving on. So, instead okay, instead of where did you grow up? Where does your uh where did your story begin? Where does your Where did you grow up? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I grew up in New York. I was born in Mount Sinai Hospital, if you want to know where the story began. What floor? I don't know, mm. but I do know I was born at 7.13 p.m., Okay, which is an anagram of 3.17, which is my birthday. Oh, okay. Does that have to... Did you get your chart done? I didn't because uh-huh. I don't want to know. Okay. Um, I like the surprise in life, but I feel like the stars <laughs> What do you mean? Like somebody's just going to surprise you with that information? <laughs> no, I feel like oh. somebody could read my chart and be like, on Tuesday, this is going to happen to you. And I don't like that kind of mm. divination. Mm, mm, you know, mm, mm. I don't want that for okay. myself. Yeah. Um. But yes, I was born in Mount Sinai. Did you have a good experience being born there? I don't remember anything bad about it, so I feel like yes. Yeah. I think it was good. So so you grew up here in New York? I did, on the Upper West Side. Oh, that's exciting. Mm-hmm. So what was it like for you growing up on the Upper West Side? Were you outside running wild in the streets? Mm-mm-mm. Were you indoors? No, I was much more of an indoor child. I'm told <laughs> that I cried every single time I was taken outside for the first four years of my life especially really? in the winter yeah I just wasn't I was the younger sister to an older brother who really liked being outside and I think I was really oppositional so I just thought if outside is his terrain I'm gonna make indoors inside. my thing yeah so I thrived in an incubated environment <laughs> why do you think that was if you ever like thought about why I like reading yeah yeah I think maybe it it was it was an omen of things to come um no now I actually really like being outdoors Uh not not an outdoorsy way Uh heaven forbid I just like walking (laughs) places no I think the upper west side had a real changing vibe when I was growing up when my parents when my parents moved there it was the 80s the whole building that they moved into was artists my dad's an artist my mom's a writer my dad used to go pick my mom up from the subway at 72nd street because there were so many prostitutes and drug dealers it wasn't safe now it's like there's a lululemon on my block and a juice press across the street i just think by the time i came around it was definitely kid friendly but it was not like it is now well how do you think growing up there shaped who you are like um you know growing up with your folks both kind of working in creative fields what was that like for you? I don't think anyone ever said to me law school would be a really good idea. <laughs> no one ever said 
it would be so awesome if you became a doctor. Mm-hmm. I mean, they probably would think that was awesome because people would be like, how the hell did you do that? What is being a doctor? I mean, I was the nerdy kid in my family who cared about school. My dad thought it was the lamest thing. <laughs> We he drove me like taunt you and stuff. No, no, no. We drove to school. He drove me to school every morning because he was really nice. Yeah, he's doing a lot of driving in the city for you guys. I know, super kind. Yeah, I know, I know. He's a great guy. But um, he would say to me, Maddie, you go to school every day. Let's go see a movie. And I was like, Dad, you have to go every day. All the other kids go every day. Damn. Yeah. So were you growing up? There was a lot of other like creative people coming through your house. Oh yeah. What was that like? All the time. Um, It's a weird mix because my parents are traditional Jews, so there's a (laughs) lot of Shabbat dinners and a lot of Jewish holidays. And then you guys kosher? Was your house? Oh yeah. Oh wow. Oh yeah, whole nine yards. And then on a random Wednesday, it's like there's Christo and Jean Claude smoking cigs in the hallway, and you're like, this is what every kid does, right? Right. Yeah. Every. Yeah. Yeah. This is like an interesting, normal life. Oh, man. That's so cool. So it was, it was definitely a mix. Um, but no, I, I do think I grew up thinking it was totally normal to have a thing you love doing and to think about how that thing would become the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And I think most kids think they have a hobby and then that hobby will go away when they figure out how to be a real person. What were you doing besides reading books? What was I doing besides reading books? Wait, I'm sorry. That sounded like... What else were you doing besides reading books? No, it's a good question. I'm trying to think to myself. What else was I doing? Um, I... Well, this is this is part of reading books. I loved Harry Potter so much uh-huh. that I was determined to memorize it. Okay. So I memorized the first chapter. So you're reading the you're reading like the deep classics. Oh, oh, I'm in it with Homer and yeah. J.K. Rowling. It's like some days I'm like the Odyssey, the other days I'm like the Goblet of Fire. Right. When you think about it, pretty similar. I guess. Yeah. So I did that. I took every kind of class or extracurricular activity you could possibly take. One year I was like, I'm so into jewelry making. I mm-hmm. bought all these books on jewelry making. I was like, had my pliers. That faded fast. Oh. I just, I didn't know how to weld. So at a certain point you hit a wall. Yeah, I could imagine. Um, I once tried to learn French. When I was eight or nine, my dad found, oh, my dad collects everything off the street. Like my oh, entire yeah. house is full of things he found on the street. Oh, all the best stuff is on the streets. All the best stuff. But Seriously. the problem is he gets it in multiples. So it's like he got a table off the street and then he'll find six more tables and then they're all in my apartment. Mm-hmm. It's really confusing. <laughs> Why do you need so many tables? Yeah. Is his artwork involved like using like found materials? Not at all. This is like his side hustle is, is hoarding. <laughs> yeah. But whatever. I mean, he has gotten me a lot of nice things, including these CDs. Okay. It was a whole CD-ROM series to learn French. Uh-huh. So that was like a good three months. I remember nothing. I could write a whole dictionary called French from memory. Uh-huh. That's just like your play. Yeah. And it would be a really <laughs> interesting introduction to the language. So you were, you were curious. You just had a thirst for knowledge or the things out there in the world that didn't maybe involve you going out into the world. Yeah, I mean, eventually I did find the outdoors. I know. Like, I just want to be clear. (laughs) I did see the light of day. Although I will say that I have such light skin that the greatest injustice of my childhood is my mom used to make me swim in a t-shirt. Oh, man. You do not come back from that, let me just say. I have no friends from that summer because everyone's like, who's that girl in the t-shirt? Oh, really? Well, my best friend was with me, but we didn't really need anyone She made you wear a t-shirt because she was afraid you were going to get burnt? Yeah, she was like, that girl, milky white, she cannot (laughs) go into the pool. 
uncovered. Oh, man. And they were like giant. I mean, now we're really getting into well, my childhood like, Is this trauma. the 90s? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so everything in the 90s was 10 sizes too big. I know, but it really hampers you when you're trying to pass the deep water test. Yeah, I can imagine. It's like definitely, billowing it, behind you. It's tripping you up. And that's a big, that's a big pressure test, the deep water test. So pressure. One of the biggest tests that people don't talk about. I, I can, I'm not even kidding. Like I can, I can, I would almost have like stress mm-hmm. from the deep water test right now. Just thinking about it. When you have to, you have to tread water for a minute. A minute. That's ridiculous. Oh man. It's just like, and if you don't get it, you have to stay in the kids section. Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned that you had an older brother. Mm-hmm. What, how, what was your guy's relationship like? Uh, when we were younger, we hated each other. Mm-hmm. My parents claimed they had no idea. Which is amazing to me because we got into physical fights often. Um, my the worst thing I ever did to him, which I'm sort of not proud of, but also I was very wily. Let's hear it. Yeah. Uh, remember backyard baseball? Backyard baseball? I mean, like playing baseball in your backyard? No, no, no. no. <laughs> the New York City kids version where you don't go outside and you play on your computer. Backyard baseball. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I feel so bad now. Oh. Now I'm just like feeding into this myth that I was this child who never saw the outdoors and had to swim in a t-shirt, which is true. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was this video game that you played, in, well, a computer game that you played. A lot of CD-ROM talk A lot going of on CD-ROM right talks. Yeah. For somebody who can't, who doesn't know how to turn on her monitor today at work, this is, <laughs> it's making me sound like I'm really into tech, but I'm not. Um, yeah, so there's backyard baseball. It has a huge following, okay? I'm just going to say I feel sorry for you that you don't know it because it was so enjoyable. I'm not judging you. I'm just saying I don't know it. I see the judgment across the (laughs) kitchen table, but it's okay because I know how amazing backyard baseball was. Thing is, I knew that I liked it less than my brother did. Uh He was really into it. Okay. So I can't remember what he did to wrong me, but I was really upset about it. So I took the backyard baseball CD. I know where this is going. I broke it into a million pieces then I swept them all up in a pail, and I poured them all over his bed. Oh my God. <laughs> it was so terrible. Even my mom at this point was like, Maddie, that's really messed up. Why that's, did you that's, do that? I like, that's dark. It's, it's super pretty dark. dark. Yeah. It's super dark. But it all has a happy ending because then we became friends in adolescence. Have you guys ever had like a catch outside? A catch outside. Actually, Maybe yes. Maybe that should be like, yeah, that's what, you know, that's your we bonding. We have had a catch outside yeah. because my grandmother lives in Toronto. She had a backyard. Oh, man. A I just came backyard. back from Toronto. Oh, Best great, city. Great city. I would move to Toronto in a second. See, my mom ma- ran away from Toronto because oh. it wasn't like it is Oh, now. your mom's Canadian. Yeah. They love movies there. They do. Best movie theater in the world is in Toronto. Ooh, which? The TIFF Lightbox. Oh, yes. Very good. The best. The best. I only discovered it. Well, that's also the weird thing about, I think, especially about places that you visited a lot with your family when you Mm -hmm. were kids. Everyone has those where your grandparents lived or where your cousins lived. And then you come back at a certain point and it's like all of a sudden the place is totally awakened to you. You're like, where was this my entire life? Going back to Toronto as a Mm semi-adult, the period of life that I'm in now. Currently. um, It's totally illuminating. I'm like, was I right next door to this all along? It may as well have not existed for me. My life was circumscribed to my grandmother's blockbuster four <laughs> restaurants i liked and this weird place that sold what was it called it was called like clips or hits or like something weird like that and it basically sold just party favors okay i thought it was the best store yeah, in the that's world. amazing it was incredible so much glitter were there people that you were looking up to growing up yes i 
idolized, I think, my parents, definitely, and my grandmother. Is, is it your mom was a writer, you said? Yes. What kind of stuff did she do? She writes books and articles, but she... So my dad's an artist, and that's what he does. Mm-hmm. And he has a studio, and we grew up going there. That's where all the tables that don't fit into my apartment live. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom always had a day job. She worked in publishing, and now she works in nonprofit stuff. To me, she was always a writer. I right. never thought about that. Even when I introduce her or describe her now, I just I never think about what she does from nine to five. I just think about the stuff that she's working on. Right. Um, I think it's a big deal if you have somebody who's kind of doing the thing you want to do and you're related to them. It's like all of a sudden you have ownership over it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It is cool. And, and you're, you, you mentioned your grandmother too? Yeah. I mean, I think... Families have patriarchs or matriarchs or nobody really steps in to fill that void. But even people who loosely know my family know that my grandmother was it. It She was like, she was the ultimate deciding vote. Like she settled every argument. She was, she was the force of the family. Was your mom's mom? My dad's your mom. Your dad's mom. And she lived in Toronto? She lived in Riverdale. Oh, she lived in Riverdale. Okay. Mm-hmm, just uptown. Yeah. And what, what what was it about her that, you know, you were so in awe of? She was the most elegant person I'd ever laid eyes on. She was the first person I ever saw wear clothes in a way that made it seem like she'd picked them out of her closet on purpose. Mm-hmm. My dad used to tell this story about how um, people, when he was in elementary school, thought my grandmother was so beautiful, they really thought she was in movies. So they asked him, is, is your mom a movie star? She had this beautiful navy blue mink coat, and she was just totally fabulous in yeah. a time where not every mother was fabulous. Um, and my dad was loved her so much too, and thought she was so great that he she just, he just lied and said, "Yeah, she's a movie star." Oh, but then he panicked because he was so scared that one of his friends would say to his mom, "I hear you're a movie star. What movies have you been in?" So he said to her. I did something really bad. I told everyone you're a movie star. Please, please, please tell them that you are if they ask you. I don't want them to know I was lying. So she said to him, I'll never lie. I won't do that. But I have an idea. So somebody said to her, Mrs. Khan, are you a movie star? And she said, am I a movie star? And that was how she settled it. <laughs> and then she turned into, and then it turned out to be Madeline Khan. Right. Yeah, yeah totally. That's how she got into the business. Yeah. I used to think I was named for her based on nothing. I'm not. <laughs> I don't even spell my name like that. Oh, man. A moment for Madeline Kahn. Mm. Um, Several, if you want to take them. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Was it, So you're reading a lot of books. Did When you're kind of getting a little bit older, did you, did you know that writing was what you wanted to do? No. I so didn't. I ignored every sign that that was what I wanted to do. And how so? Um, in high school, I really thought I wanted to work in fashion but pure fashion not muddied fashion writing about fashion I wanted to work in fashion at fashion week where did that interest come from I loved magazines I my mom always subscribed to them and it was the most accessible reading material it Mm -hmm. was like you could read and then sometimes you could just flip the pages yeah best arrangement um I loved clothes I mean I loved my grandmother made going um shopping together into an activity i loved getting dressed i was one of those kids who had a dress code so the weekends are always your time to 
let loose and wear what you want. Yeah, dress code at school. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Leandra and I went to the same high school. Oh really? Fact. That's how. We oh, knew okay. Each other. Were you in the choir with her? Mm-mm. I was she, not in the choir with her. Because she told me some hilarious stories about that. <laughs> no, we were three years apart at Ramaz on 78th between Park and Madison. Um, she was the coolest dresser, it oh, must really? be said. Yes, she was very cool from the very beginning. Was she older than you? Yes, oh, wow. three years older. Okay. Um, so I always kind of knew who she was in that peripheral way that you know the cool girls in every grade. So I knew who Leandra was. Was, was, that, was that a Jewish private school? Oh, yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Went the whole, went K through 12. It mm-hmm. was a for lifer. Um, yeah, so I thought I really wanted to work in fashion. And I interned at WWD in high school so that I could hand out newspapers at the tents. That's so wild that you were, you know, that's such a cool or lucky opportunity I think kids who grew up in New York have where you can, you know, intern when you're in high school. Oh, yeah. And just kind of get the lay of the land. Yeah, and see what's out there. I mean, mm-hmm. I definitely was not, I feel like a lot of those stories are start with like, I interned at WWD, then I was friends with like all these cool kids, and then I just like started styling shoots when I was 17. <laughs> that didn't happen to me. I was, I went to Ramaz. It's just not like that there. But um, I did start interning at WWD and handing out newspapers at the tents, and the rule was you could, whatever show was before or after your shift, you could go to that show. Oh, wow. I thought it was the most breathtaking thing that had ever happened to me in my entire life. And I I can truly say, I think the nice thing about growing up in New York is I didn't care at all about whatever CW star walked in. I was really obsessed with the clothes. I mean, I thought it was the most magical experience I'd ever witnessed. I think that's a lot of, I think that's something that I don't, you know, people who haven't experienced that can't really understand it. But I remember... I used to do a lot, shoot a lot of fashion shows and stuff. And I remember when you're at a fashion show that's that's on, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yes. It's the same thing where when you're at a play and it's on, mm-hmm. it's 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 really incredible. It really um, um, caught me by surprise. Yeah. Like the energy and power that comes from It makes a your fashion heart thump. Yeah, I it's, mean... it's, it's, it's wild. Like even as somebody, like I'm, I don't have like a, 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 a super big interest in, mm-hmm. you know, in the particulars of fashion stuff. So I'm saying like even as like, maybe yeah. kind of more of a uh, casual observer. Sure. But, but I'm saying I was still able, you're still able to get something from oh, it. Yeah. It's really, it's really amazing. I mean, if you've ever seen really effective performance art, you mm-hmm. know that just the presence of certain kinds of people moving in a certain way mm-hmm. in a room can just make you feel things. It's unbelievable. So I did that. And then I started um, working for Lincoln Center when... Fashion Week moved from Mercedes-Benz Bryant Park mm-hmm. to Lincoln Center. Mm-hmm. And I worked in that three-person office for a summer. And then... This is still high school? You're in high this school? This is the end of high school. Okay. And I worked in that office. It was three people. On my first day, I remember they were touring the spaces. No designers had ever seen them before. And I'd never done anything like this I'd handed out newspapers and I'd written about the great Gatsby for my high school English class that was about the extent of my experience mm-hmm. um and they uh said that the peop- the designers from Rag and Bone were coming and I needed to go show them around but I'd never seen the spaces myself so I was like totally I have got this <laughs> so I went um and there they were we were all in a golf cart touring Lincoln Center campuses were you driving it Oh, no. I still don't have my license. That's another story. 
Well, you're um, from New York. I know, but yeah. I really need to take care of it. At this yeah. point, my sister, who's six years younger than me, is ready to go, and I don't know how to parallel park or even turn left yet. <laughs> right is easier. Um, I've had two lessons. You'll get there. I'm working on yeah. it, definitely. So we went in this golf cart that I did not drive, mm-hmm. and uh, I remember neville turned and said wow this space is so beautiful and before i could even think about what i was saying i said this space is so beautiful (laughs) never laid eyes on it before in my life i was like this is really nice uh so i did that and i decided to take a gap year before i started college okay Um, because you wanted to keep working with the folks you were with so i ended up going to culinary school in israel oh okay yes (laughs) wait (laughs) how did that how did that how did that come about? Mm, interesting. So I decided I would stay working at Fashion Week for an extra two months because mm-hmm. I really wanted to do that. Um, I wanted to see Fashion Week through and then kind of wrap up. And college starts in August of your freshman year. So I, wa- I was like, I'm staying for Fashion Week. This is what oh, I want to okay. do. Everyone in my family takes a gap year and everyone in my family goes to Israel. Okay. That's like a tradition? Yes. My dad lived there for four years. My brother worked on a dairy farm. It was like totally, that's what you do when you finish high school. Like a normal family. Yeah, Yeah. you just hop right over. Mm -hmm. It's it's an easy trip. Mm -hmm. Um, But I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I was like, is fashion really happening in Israel? Not really. Maybe in Tel Aviv, but kind of no. So I was like, what else do I like? And I had probably cooked like five meals before. And baked a few cakes. And I was like, I love cooking. I'm going to culinary school. Yeah. So I did that. Yeah. Yeah. So you're making like a lot of like tabbouleh and... My school was interestingly French style. Okay. So I was butchering a lot of things. You still have those skills. Oh, totally. Oh, yeah. Very difficult to leverage your weight when you're my size, but you try your best. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I spent around eight months in chef's clogs in chef's whites learning how to make everything from stock to duck to fish did you did you love it i loved it yeah i loved it so when you finished that were you like i I don't know about this fashion thing i'm gonna i'm gonna get in those mean kitchens of new york city yeah i'm gonna get yelled at (laughs) for life yeah um (laughs) No, I think, but I do think what it did was it just showed me that there's a lot of stuff out there Mm -hmm. and what I was most interested in was being interested in things. I loved learning and knowing all these weird terms. I love the cooking part and I still really like cooking, but it was so fun to be introduced to this. You know, I was 18. I thought I knew a lot about a lot of things. Mm -hmm. I was like surprise me world throw it at me whatever you've got and it turned out i knew nothing about this huge thing and that was so fun well where do you think that like exploratory nature came from i don't know for a kid who didn't get out much i I mean i don't know i think i was kind of a know-it-all and you need to have every once in a while you need to be feeding yourself some information to Mm -hmm. sustain that you know attitude um so there was that and i just think anyone who considers herself a storyteller i never want to see that in another twitter bio again but (laughs) sometimes the word is apt um likes finding out about people and asking them questions and figuring out how they feel in different situations and i just loved the kitchen and i also think you spend 13 years going to school every day it was such a breath of fresh air to just 
work mm-hmm. and use my hands mm-hmm. and not think. I mean, anyone who can think about things that aren't the cooking while they're cooking, introduce me to them. I'm, ne- I'm not one of those people who like zones out into the recipe and then everything's by heart and then I can let my mind wander. I'm in it and it's so relaxing. Because oh, I completely agree with you. You that's, get to get out of your brain. That's how I relax. Totally. By cooking. Me too. Because it's like I do these things and then this thing happens. It's amazing. <laughs> it's like you can you can force things to happen in the kitchen that you just can't get from the world. Mm-mm. Like you can say, I'm gonna mix these things together and barring any catastrophes, I'm gonna get this. And when in life can you put those expectations out there and think that they're gonna be met? I right. mean it's so fun. And then plus you get direct feedback on your work totally. as soon as it's done. I know. Well that's why I'm always forcing people to eat things that you know, I make yeah. and tell me exactly what they think. You know, writing, you know, writing articles that exist on the internet or like making videos that go, that just, we just throw it out there into that black hole. Mm-hmm. And there's sure there's the comments section, but that's just and a toxic mom. sludge. <laughs> yeah. Your mom. But like, man, it's just like, it's the one thing where you're like, you get that feedback right away. It's so nice. Yeah. I think when I was in school, my chef always <laughs> wanted to know why I was bothering going to harvard it was like he thought it was the dumbest thing in the world why would i go to college when i had these marketable skills already so, what, so you're in israel and you're like i'm going to harvard yeah oh i was already into harvard <laughs> what? i decided yeah i applied to harvard my senior year yeah and i decided to defer for a year oh, okay, okay, okay. Year. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was a done deal already. oh okay so no one was like it see i feel like you're letting me be cooler than i really am it's not like people <laughs> were like oh let's let maddie go like figure it out everyone's like she's coming back to the united states and she's going to cambridge which again is exactly this lady up in harvard just Lock her away there for four Lock years. Lock her away. There's a lot of libraries, a lot of space inside. Yeah. 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 It's nice up there. It's beautiful. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Weird place. A little bit. Mm-hmm. I've spent some time. I've shot some stuff at MIT before, and that place is like the secret, cool laboratory of geniuses. Yes. And madmen and women. Some women, too. Yeah. They let those in there now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think MIT... Did they used to not let women into MIT? Well, it's like they never... Yeah, if, I got if there's a space, yeah. you can assume that we were dis- <laughs> we were barred from it for a while. But hopefully that's like starting to go a little bit better. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I so I, then I did come back and I, and I did go to Harvard. What was that like? Harvard was great. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like the oldest university full of... I remember I had friends visit me every once in a while you decide at some point when you're in college like you're so busy no one can ever come visit you you can't go visit anyone else because like no one understands your life it's so fabulous um but i did have friends come visit me and i had a friend stay with me and i was like oh we'll go to this party it'll be fun so we went to the party and she was like maddie why is everyone wearing a tux and I was like, oh, are they? I hadn't noticed, but they were. And you, ha- you truly I just hadn't thought, noticed? I genuinely got into this. I mean, it's so, it's, you just get used to the normal mm. there, which is like if you're a certain kind of male and you go to Harvard, it just makes sense for you to own a tux because there's just occasions to wear them. Mm. Yeah, like for like, um, you ever see that movie, The Skulls? Mm-hmm. Like you never know when you're gonna get initiated into a secret society. You don't, but you know? actually, that's the thing that's weirdly true. It's like you never <laughs> stop getting initiated at Harvard. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, and not just in the scary way. It's like you have to audition to get into every class, or you have to submit some kind of proposal to do any project you want to do. It's like my mom used to say. It's from beginning to end, Harvard is like a series of auditions. Wow, you're in it, but you're never like really in it. Yeah, 
There's what's that great cheeseburger spot that's there? Bartley's Burgers. Oh yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Oh, so damn good. That's. I'm sorry. It's, it's like dinner time. I'm getting a little hungry. I know. So I'm, so I'm talking about meatballs. I'm talking. About... It's okay. It's okay. Sometimes you just have to <laughs> you have to say what's on your mind. There's one. I mean, this is so. I'm going to apologize before I even say it, but there is one kale salad that they had at this restaurant in Harvard Square that I truly miss. Yeah. So good. <laughs> Roasted and raw with like just a boatload of Parmesan cheese. I think that's the key to making any salad good. Parmesan. Just dump a ton of cheese, cheese on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's going to turn out well. I and say that with my culinary degree in hand. So yeah. you can trust me. <laughs> yeah, trust me. I'm a chef. I'm a chef. Yeah, yeah. Chef Con. Chef Con. <laughs> just rolls right off the top. It does. That's a good name. That would be a good name. Yeah. Have you ever thought about what you would name a restaurant if you owned a restaurant? Um, no, because I basically only ever want to cook for people I know and like. Well, that could, that's a style of restaurant that can exist. True. These days. Mm -hmm. But I, but when I had gone, when I went to culinary school, I wasn't familiar with the intricacies of like pop-up, supper club, secret secret supper. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't know about that. So I never really had to give it a ton of thought. Um, so while you're in Harvard, were there things that you were kind of getting exposed to that you felt yourself being drawn to? Yes. Um, when I, first that, of all. That question made sense, right? I, I, I think I know where you're going with this. I'm going to run with it. <laughs> no, I mean, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> like, did you ever go to Harvard and figure out that you liked stuff? No, but I mean, Probably. there's like, I guess there's thing, you know, like the, the, the thought is like, you know, you go to college and you kind of get turned on to things that you really didn't know about before. Right. And that kind of like pushes you in these directions that you couldn't have really seen before you were there. I think if we're being way, honest, yeah. I think. I had that happen to me probably in a negative way. But that's good, too. It's good to know what you want to do when you know what you don't want to do. Right. But it was weird. I think, and I'm sure I'm not the only person who feels this way about Harvard. I think I got to Harvard and I felt really confident in loving food and loving fashion and thinking Vogue is a great magazine and not really feeling too sorry that I didn't read The Economist for fun. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't have any reason to think of myself as a stupid or unintellectual person. And I certainly didn't get onto campus feeling like, I don't deserve to be here. I'm so dumb. I definitely didn't feel that way. But um, I do remember (laughs) during freshman orientation, there was this game we had to play. I hate games like this. They give me night sweats. So mm-hmm. I, what you had to do was you stood in the middle of the circle. You had to say something. And then everyone for whom that statement was true had to switch places with somebody else. It's like a version of Never Have I Ever. Sure, but like so much stupider and lame okay. than that. So I was like, I'm just never going to be the last person because if you're the last person, then you have to go in the middle of the circle. Uh-huh. So I was like, I don't want to do that. So somebody, you know, over the course of the game, it was like all of my last resort statements people use. Like, I have blue eyes. That was what I was going to do. It's like a no-brainer, non-embarrassing. Somebody was like, I'm a Pisces. I'm a Pisces. I couldn't think of anything else about myself. Those were my two things. So, of course, I got stuck in the middle of the circle, and um, I swear my mind went blank. I had no idea what to say. I actually had just broken my necklace like moments before, so I was very flustered. The statement I went with was, I truly believe Britney Spears is going to come back bigger and better than ever. Wow. Yeah. It was a bold claim. One person switched with me. One person. People didn't have faith. No one had faith. And listen, she has a great Instagram now. You should check it out if you haven't seen it. She she always was going to do it. I knew it. That girl's living her best life. So I just want to say, first of all, I was right about that. Second of all, 
the place has a way of making you think that the things that you're interested in are kind of trivial and you should take this time to get serious and start caring about the things that your professors and people who did mock trial for 16 years because they started doing it when they were in first grade like you should care about the things they care about and I think I bought that a little bit in the beginning the first summer that I my freshman summer I worked on a book about the election I was like I'm getting serious I'm gonna transcribe a lot of tapes guys do you know about this thing that's going on we gotta tell everybody it's huge I was like (laughs) oh my god the election guys and I had like something to talk about for a full calendar year yeah um and I liked that somewhat um but no I took a lot of classes that I felt like were serious and I was like maybe I should be a consultant like in DC, like at a they got a think tank. Not even that good. I was like, maybe I should go work at McKinsey and just like be one of those fancy like kind of business kind of lawyer consultants. Like yeah. writing was a nice thing to do, but were you writing throughout this time at totally, all? Totally, yes. Yeah. But I thought that was like some people were into theater and some people were into writing, mm-hmm. and I was into writing. So I had started writing for Man Repeller, and I had oh, started cool. writing for Refinery Twenty Nine, and I had started just kind of being around um but I was like maybe I should just go go through on-campus recruiting and maybe maybe I should go to business school or something down the line or like do I know anything about numbers should I try to do that I just you're just like a pinball in a machine just like bouncing around bouncing around and I really think I thought unless I get real and I don't even know what I thought that would mean like validation oh first of all another time we can get into my absolute passion for that show okay because it's serious yeah that did not contribute to my intellectual standing at Harvard um (laughs) I was like you guys forget about the election have you seen the real world it's super raw which season was do you remember season the election season we're talking about like the what 2004 we're talking Eight? about 2000. No, we're talking about 2012. Oh, I'm 2012. a young girl. Okay. Yeah. Um, now I don't remember. It might have been New Orleans part two with Jemmy and Knight. Oh, yeah. R.I.P. He died. Um, he was the guy that sung that song, Come On, Be My Baby Tonight. Oh, yes. And yeah. he also threw ketchup at a girl and like gave her nightmares because she was so afraid of ketchup. Yeah. I mean, this is this is America. Okay? This, is, this is the country we live in. It's time to accept it or move to Toronto. I know. The choice is yours. I was singing about tech money earlier today. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, what's he doing right now? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. But we could probably find out because we have the internet. Yeah. Yeah, so I was like doing all this writing, but I was like, when am I going to get my real life going? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to... You were just seeing it as something you were just doing for fun or just something you're like, I'm really interested in these subjects. I'm just writing about this. I just felt like I kept getting lucky. Yeah. I felt like I was an enterprising person. I knew how to send a good introductory email that made people laugh. And I thought like people are willing to let me kind of patter about on the right. internet and and that's the extent of it People is that are, how refinery 29 came about is that oh you yeah just cold emailed them i sent so many cold emails Hell yeah Ooh, in my time i have sent <laughs> i'm the biggest proponent of cold emailing that's great that you'll ever meet yeah. i think everybody should do it yeah i honestly if you have a funny enough subject line and you don't have a terrible sign off like best regards right you're bound to get at least 15 minutes of this person of course time. or at least you know they read it yeah i sent a cold email to bruce springsteen how did that go well i was trying to pitch a music video mm-hmm. project and mm-hmm. they wrote back there you go they fucking wrote back like i'm at a point in my career where i'm getting i'm getting you know nothing came of it like they're right. like we're not looking for anything but you're not at this going time. to spam it's not going to spam 
It no, got a response. I sent in. This is actually this was used to be my thing. I I got an internship when I was fifteen years old. Mm-hmm. I was probably four feet tall <laughs> because I sent a cold email about it. Yeah, yeah. I I emailed. Um, I love Teen Vogue. Mm-hmm. I emailed Eva Chen, who was still at Teen Vogue, who's now at Instagram. And I, when I was in high school, I did this volunteering work with this eco organization and i got us in the magazine like we were in the same issue with miley cyrus on the cover it was huge yeah uh but yeah i sent a cold email to refinery 29 um when i sent it they were still doing that weird thing where they were kind of like an e-commerce shop yeah it was like the good old days so it was really easy to find the right person to reach but um yeah i emailed them i emailed uh i sent a cold email to uh the former director of fashion at barney's I just was like, hey, I'd like to meet. We had lunch. Um, yeah, and I and I met, I ended up meeting Leandra because of that cold email to that fashion oh, director. Oh, really? Yes. You didn't really know her in high school? No, not really. Yeah. Not enough to you send a cold email. Yeah. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. She was. She loomed large. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I was a big fan. I mean, yeah. I think I probably sent thousands at this point. And you I got think to. no shame. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I, and, you know... Uh, a lot of like your story of what you've been telling me, it just seems that you had this really strong kind of drive and work ethic, even like at a very young age. Like, where do you oh, think yeah. that came from? I genuinely think I had, I had parents who told me that I was great, which, mm-hmm. you know, has probably poisoned our generation. But yep. <laughs> <laughs> on the other hand, I felt really supported. I yeah. felt like I could take whatever risks I wanted to and I could send whatever dumb emails I sent <laughs> for everyone that worked out god I don't want to see the ones that I just sent thinking like this is so smart yeah because it was probably such a nightmare uh, it's such a great way to move through the world though I I had to I, I applied I worked like one job in an office uh, it wasn't even office I worked at like nylon making mm-hmm. their videos mm-hmm. and I remember yeah super um, corporate for you <laughs> yeah <laughs> I had to <laughs> And um, I remember I, the last line on my, re- I was like, resumes are so stupid. Like, you know, it's like, yeah, I worked on this movie. I got people coffee. Mm-hmm. I like handed out people walkie talkies. Like mm-hmm. who gives a crap about this right. stuff, you know? And then like the last line, I was like other skills. I wrote, I had all the ideas for Star Wars. <laughs> I think that's what got me the job. No, it definitely you know? was. I, um. Because there's like, people are so serious about that. Those, my, you know? I still remember my PS to that refinery cold email was <laughs> Vanity Fair does this Proust questionnaire at the yes. end of every magazine. And for a brief period of time, they let you take a quiz to see who you were most like, like who your answers matched up to the most, which is obviously great. And I was a 50-50 split between Joan Collins and Gloria Steinem. Oh, wow. So my PS was like, I would like to pass along the results of this quiz that I recently took. If you want somebody who's 50% Joan Collins, 50% Gloria Steinem writing for the site, you should get in touch. And they wrote back and said, that was the best PS we've ever received. Hell yeah. So there you go. So that's a message to everybody trying to figure it out. Don't take it too serious. Don't take yourself too serious. Get creative. Get creative. What's the thing that's going to make you stand out? Yeah, I think that's like, that's the thing they tell you in every networking session that you sort of wish you never went to, but (laughs) it's probably true. Um, You want to be stuck in people's minds. People want to think like, what is wrong with that asshole? I want to talk to that idiot. Yeah. (laughs) You know, just, 
just enough intelligence to think you're worth meeting for eight minutes. That's that's my sweet spot. That's where that's where you're that's where you're going yes, for. Yes, that's what for. I'm going for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a good that's a good goal. So you're in school. You're writing for a couple of different sites. Yes. And are you thinking that this is what you want to do when you're done? What's going through your head as as the mm. as the you know the end of that phase is it's coming to a close? So I was writing a lot. Um, by senior year, I think I felt like so one foot out the door. Mm-hmm. I was working on a thesis that kept me up twenty four hours a day. It felt like it was just so crazy, and I was just what was like, it on? I wrote about Edgar Allan Poe's failed literary magazine. Oh wow! Never published an issue. Really. Pro tip to all those students out there, write about something that never existed and you can say whatever you want. <laughs> uh, yeah. About what it could have been. What it could have been. Well, yeah. that's what I wrote about. I wrote about what it could have been and his vision for American literature. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was dense. It was really <laughs> dense. Um, but I was writing a lot and I used to tell people when I was pitching or when somebody would say like, oh, let's meet for drinks or whatever. I would say, oh, I'm between Boston and New York such a lie full-time student not mm-hmm. between boston and new york sometimes i came back for like one night just to be like oh yeah i'm, I'm i split my time no mm-hmm. maddie did not split her time i was firmly in boston um but it got to the point where a lot of my friends had jobs a lot of people like lined up for them like lined after school. Up. oh yeah. yeah i did not i was not in a group of friends really and i definitely was not in a school in general where people were like I'm going to graduate and figure it out or I'm going to graduate and make movies. Like there are people like that at Harvard. They basically feed students from Harvard to Hollywood to write for great shows. And I know that's the thing. I know that there's that great Mark Marin joke where he talks about uh, BJ Novak got mm. like hired on the plane ride over right. <laughs> from Boston to LA. It was like, you're, you're set. You're good to go. Yeah. So that definitely happens. But my roommates all took jobs in November of our senior year. They were done working in iBanking. I could, that wouldn't just probably, that would make me so anxious. Uh, well, I think it did make them very anxious. Now they work No, all the being time. like the person where like everybody around you is like. Oh, obviously <laughs> I assumed you thought like I felt sorry for them, which I <laughs> no. did. this is exactly how i got here i just misinterpret everything everyone else says and i'm like oh you want me to write that story oh awesome um but yeah no i i felt anxious about it but then i think that's also part of the reason why i just thought to myself okay time's ticking like what's the one thing you know how to do Mm -hmm. so i just thought okay i'll give it a go i'll just i'll try kind of just writing that's what i thought i would do you know, in September, October. And then I actually, my parents, blessed souls, were like, you should probably see if you can make enough money just writing. Mm -hmm. Like, you should probably crunch the numbers. Like, how much do you actually need to make? And I was like, I'm sad. I'm writing all the time. Then I looked at the numbers and I was like, that is not going to work. I'm going to have to take my old bedroom for a little bit. move back home. (laughs) Yeah. Which I sort of was prepared to do, but only if I actually was writing full time. Like, at this point, I felt like I was writing all the time, but really I was also going to class a lot, trying to do my schoolwork sometimes, finishing 95 pages about Edgar Allan Poe. Like, I had demands on my time. Yeah. Um, So I thought, you know, if I really could have my way, what would I want to write about next year? Like, not for the next 10 years, but what would I want to be doing next year? Right. And people were starting to talk about Hillary Clinton and whether she was going to run or not. And I had sort of started for Man Repeller and also for some other places doing this weird thing where I would write about clothes, but I would also write about culture. 
and I'd worked at Vanity Fair and they were all about that mix and I'd worked on this book about the election. I knew a grand total of zero things about politics. Mm -hmm. Don't tell my editors. Mm -hmm. I was totally casual observer and I was like, you know what I think I'm qualified to do? I think I'm going to cover the election. Yeah. Um, When I interviewed to work on this book about the election, I remember doing the phone call. This was like four years before and the editors of the book said like we had the conversation i was like killing it it's going so well they're charmed they're laughing then at the end of the conversation they were like okay we're gonna move into the um question and answer part of the interview i probably let's be honest i had not picked up the front page of the new york times in like three months so this was was to get you the job to write the book not to write to be a research assistant oh i was i was lowly okay i was bottom bottom of the ladder so i was like oh the information interesting okay yeah Mm -hmm. let's do it i scrambled to get my laptop luckily this was over the phone i was like i'm about to google so fast yeah but i just did not have enough time like i didn't was was just like oh yeah well you know it's that's an interesting question (laughs) you pose there so fascinating how you phrased that question that's just fact-based and requires no did they see right through it oh yeah so they were like they asked me questions and they were just falling faster than I could Google. It was like <laughs> I was buried. It was Jonas, but for questions. Mm-hmm. So they asked me all this stuff and I was like, I really think this is this is the cockiness of having been in my position. I don't think I'd ever not known the answers to that many questions in a row wow. in my life, except for maybe 11th grade physics. It was like <laughs> 10 questions about simple things like who's the governor of this state? Who's, yeah. Who are these senators? What? persuaded me to believe I even was qualified to take this interview nobody knows but it's good thing I did so then um luckily the one question I got right were who are the senators from your state (laughs) thank god I somehow knew that I'm not even kidding I think it's because they Kristen Gillibrand was in vogue I'm 99% sure that's the reason I knew um and that definitely went really badly and I knew it had gone really badly I remember feeling like my face so hot Mm -hmm. with embarrassment and I said well that went really poorly. I said that into the phone and I was like, but I promise you if you give me this job, I will learn the answers to all those questions and anything you could possibly throw my way between now and when I start. And I guess they had some really bad other candidates because they <laughs> gave it to me. At least you got the one. Mm-hmm. At least I got the one. It's all about the one. It's all about the PS and the one. Yeah. So I was like, when I graduated, I was like, I'm totally qualified to write about the election. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. So um, I had started writing for L.com as a senior at Harvard. Because from another cold email? From another cold email. Mm-hmm. Well, this one happened because I had interviewed the site director, who is lovely, for another website I was writing for. Right. And then I cold emailed her a few weeks later and said, Pussy Ride is coming to Harvard. And I feel like they would be perfect for Elle. Do you want me to go to the event and cover it? And she was like, okay, like, if you, yeah, sure, if you want to. Was this a, a Farron? No, okay. this is Leia Chernikov. Okay. So she was like, yeah, you can go if you want to. Like, if something comes of it, let me know. See if you can get an interview. And if you can get an interview, we'll run it. So I reached out to um, their PR person. I'm also a great Googler. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, mm-hmm. proficient Googler. Mm-hmm. So I found their PR person, a lot of cold calls too. And, you know, I pitched her this story. I was like, it's going to be amazing. L.com, the destination for women on the internet, whatever. And she was like, no. They don't want to talk to you. And I was like, awesome. Okay, I'm okay, going to go to the event anyway. Yeah. So I went, and this protester came. Someone protesting Harvard 
in solidarity with Pussy Riot. Okay. Basically, he'd protested before. He'd gotten kicked off campus. Was he a student? No. Okay. He was a member of the lovely town of Cambridge. Um, He'd gotten kicked off campus before and told not to come back. And then he came back to protest his being evicted from campus at this Pussy Riot event. Mm -hmm. And they're all about protest. So the police came and arrested this guy. And Pussy Riot was like, hell no. Freedom of speech. We're going to go bust him out of jail. The thing is, they didn't want to just do that quietly. They wanted somebody to go with them. But they only knew one reporter in Cambridge. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Yeah. (laughs) I get this phone call from this woman. It's like 1130 at the end of the event, I, I'm about to email Leia to be like, we do not have a story that was super boring. When I get this phone call and she's like, we're going to jail. Do you want to come? I was like, oh, girl, I am there. <laughs> yeah. So I went to jail and I spent the night in jail with Pussy Riot. That was my first story for L.com. Amazing. Yes. So I was like, L's into women in politics and weird evenings spent incarcerated. Um, so I'm going to convince them that what we really should do is cover the election for the site. And I brushed up on some information about the election, spent a few months (laughs) getting into it, and that's exactly what I did. I pitched the coverage to them. Um, It took a few months, and then that was kind of the base of, I knew that when I graduated, I would write for other places, but that was going to be, you know, the 70-30, it was going to be writing about the election for Elle. And then... After I graduated and did that for a few months, that turned into a full-time thing. And now I still write for other places, but I'm on the trail covering the election. That's amazing. What, what is it about politics that drew you to that subject matter? I honestly don't think it's politics. I think it's this. We're at this crazy moment. And when I signed on to do this, I didn't re- even realize how crazy 2016 would turn out to be. But I just knew... If you like personalities and you like telling a big story through a lot of small stories about people, you can't do better than to talk to the people with integrity and the utter clowns who want to be president of Mm -hmm. the United States. Like, it's the richest subject matter ever. You've never seen egos like this. I mean, I remember when I worked in politics – that one summer, people were like, isn't it nice to be doing something substantive instead of be working on fashion? And I remember thinking, like, fashion has nothing on the egos of politics. Yeah. Like, fashion is a clean, friendly, hardworking industry compared mm-hmm. to these crazy people who are trying to win elected office. So, like, who's, like, the Mugatu of the Republican Party? <laughs> oh, God. Do I have to choose one? No. Also, Mugatu has some redeeming qualities. Like, don't make me make an impossible decision. There, Yeah, that's that's too kind of a... Of a he has great hair. It's yeah. like, I'm not going to give that to somebody. I'm not going to hand that over on a silver platter. Um, but, yeah, so that's what I do now. I write about the election. I'm going to Iowa. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. What, so, like, you know... I, how and how long how long have you been doing it now at this point? I've been doing it since May and oh, okay. full time since the summer. Okay, so yeah, so so what are the things that have kind of surprised you the most as as you've been going down this path? Any um, kinds of people you've met, issues yeah. that are like the things that people really are getting. I think excited I, about, or you know, like. Yes, I think there's an incredible. Um, you're everyone knows this but you're so insulated in new york you Mm -hmm. think that you're in the capital of the world but no you're not you're you're really not and you don't meet anybody you meet a very specific slice of person Mm -hmm. who comes here and who talks and 
it has been scary and illuminating to get out there and see the rest of the country um, talk to people and that's everyone from the person who's sitting next to you at the gate waiting for the same plane that you're waiting for to the driver who's driving you to the airport or I went to this event in New Hampshire a few weeks ago to interview Cecile Richards who's the president of Planned Parenthood mm-hmm. um, so yeah I, I read that that was on uh, you, you put that up yeah that yeah, was yeah. on now so I, I traveled up to New Hampshire and I went to this event and it's a small state and it's Manchester is a small city so yeah. people sort of have a sense of where you're coming from and where you're going when you're there and uh, I was driving back to Boston to get my train back to New York um, also travel is something I hadn't done quite like this before I yeah, traveled around intense, yeah. but I didn't know the exhaustion of just like having to get places all the time um so I get into the car and the driver says to me so you're coming from meeting Hillary so I was like yeah I am like actually yes so he said well then you're not gonna like what I have to say and I was like <laughs> lay it on me. yeah <laughs> and everywhere I go I you know he's a good-natured guy he wants Donald Trump to be our next president he hates Hillary with the fire of a thousand suns and I just don't I probably encounter a lot more casual sexism than I realize but I certainly don't encounter out and out sexism like that and it's not just that he didn't like her it's like that he had comments about her hair and what she wears and (sighs) I just don't find that a lot and I think it's like know your enemy you know it's like getting out there and seeing what she's up against and what you know Sanders is up against in his own way and what just women around America deal with when they try to get around move through the world live in a public place it's like you're like oh my god it's enough to make you want to stay indoors I mean been there yeah got to get back (laughs) but yeah I think that's that's definitely part of it and I also think it's it's I mean I've surprised myself it turns out I care about a lot of things I didn't think I cared about I grew up thinking my mom was a feminist, but that was kind of like over. Like we did that already. It's all done, right? Like, yeah. Like, um, guys, we got this. Like we totally got it. Yeah. And it's like I grew up learning history and thinking like things are equal now. We live in this great time. And and I definitely knew that wasn't true in high school. I certainly knew that wasn't true at Harvard. I saw that all the time. But to write about it and cover it and to feel the inequality burning in you when you're like, this is the most unfair thing. I need to go to my computer right now and tell whoever cares about what I have to say about right. it. That was definitely new. Yeah. That I had not done before. What what have been like the toughest things that you've come across in terms of trying to, you know, live your life as a professional writer? I think that I never really think I've done it yet. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So that's like inevitable. I think probably everyone feels like there's so much more to go. But I think I'm still waiting for someone to tell me, you're a writer. This is what you're going to do. And I used to get into this thing with my mother, familiar character in the story (laughs) all the time, where I would say like, when am I going to know I'm a writer? And she was like, if you're being published, you're a writer. And I was like, but when is someone going to tell me I'm good enough to actually be doing it? She was like, that's an irrelevant question. If you're doing it, it's good enough. And I think I really struggle not to search for that validation all the time. And it doesn't, and I know it wouldn't matter what, it wouldn't matter what somebody said. It wouldn't matter a nice email that I got or like the lone nice commenter on Facebook. I'm convinced there's only one. Mm -hmm. You probably know them. Um, (laughs) Like they're probably your dad, but I know that it wouldn't matter. Like you, 
it's a psychological thing you just have to get over. I think I thought it would be gone by now. I think I thought that if I were paying all my bills by writing and doing that, that would be the proof. But it's so not the proof, yeah. it turns out. I'm still like, I'm here. Tell me. Tell me this is really it. And well, that's never going to happen. Well, what are the things that you're looking forward to? Like, where do you want to take it? If you could have your ideal dream situation. Mm, mm. I definitely want to write a book. I think that's on every writer's bucket list. I mean, are you collecting kind of stuff from from this coverage? Is with yeah, maybe something in the back like of your head? Yeah, there's like some good. There's some good stories there. Yeah. Um, just the most unbelievable shit happens to you, and you're yeah. just like, "Is this really? Am I going to keep this all to myself? Like, it's too crazy." I mean, there's there's so many great documentaries about people like on the campaign trails and stuff, and it just seems like you're just kind of just like let go of everything, and you're just like on this. I know it sounds cliche, but like this roller coaster that you just can't get off. And I think especially, you know, I'm super young and I get that totally. I remember I was working on this project over the summer and the person who I was uh, working as an assistant for research assistant for said, please don't be one of those people who like tries to write a book before she's 25. (laughs) And I was like, "Mm, would would it be so bad? And she was like, so bad. So maybe I'll hold out (laughs) till after that. But um, I, I think, you know, that wide-eyed perspective of like, what the fuck is going on here? Mm-hmm. You only get that your first go around. It's true. It's true. And it's really crazy, like the dumb things people say, and and the hilarious things that happen to you, and you know when you're sharing in airport bathroom with like a presidential candidate, you just are like, hmm, this is interesting. Um, but no, I think I just want to write a lot more, write longer. Um, have more time to write Mm -hmm. i think when you're writing for the web it's like two weeks feels like a luxury for a story i'd love two months yeah that would be great Mm -hmm. um and just write about more people it turns out it's all i've ever really been interested in people characters the crazy stuff they do i think i probably should be better at writing think pieces that you know set the internet on fire but i don't (laughs) really care right um i just want to meet crazy people then that's what you got to do that's what i'm gonna do that's what you gotta do i know that's the greatest thing about traveling around the country you know and i mean like because you also have a lot you have a lot of experiences where you know like your experience in the cab where you're like what is going on here but you also have so many experiences where you just meet all these people and you're like we're not the that different no it's not as simple as like everybody tries to make it that's kind of been my experiences you know it was like from traveling throughout the country like, I'd like to think that deep down, like, we are all, like, there's, like, a there's like a through line of kindness that runs through. I think you find that sometimes. I certainly have found, and, you know, maybe everyone feels that way about their own gender, but I've definitely found common ground talking to women. Sometimes they tell me things where I'm like, ooh, I do not think that. <laughs> I do not know why you think that. But, you know you're thinking about the same things like you need to get up get dressed in the morning go to work deal with people deal with certain responsibilities requirements so that is common ground I think what I've seen that's probably affected me most is not necessarily that everyone's you know that people have this common goodness which some people do but I think it's easy when you're watching the pageants of the debates and you're listening to these speeches that just feel like they were written a million years ago with no real voter in mind mm-hmm. to forget that 
people are suffering yeah. and you get out there and you're on the trail and you see the people who come to these events and they're so desperate for answers and it's like sometimes you feel like an asshole just looking in and watching them you know ask their questions and sometimes you're like we better listen to that because people are really trying to have better lives and whoever is elected like it will be their job whether they do it well or not to try to fix like some of the real shit that's going down in this country and you see Sarah Palin on TV and like you laugh you gotta laugh I mean there's no other option it's bonkers man totally bonkers it's bonkers I, I mean I watched SNL this weekend where like Tina Fey did and like there was no nobody was laughing in the audience because it was too real I know you know what I mean it was just like too like this is this is real right you know yes it's like when things are too similar yeah. you lose the funniness I had it's this, like no it's like that's what she actually said right like, like you may as well be her right like she is an actress playing herself on TV Oof. And then you realize, like, people think that she might be able to solve some of their problems or that he could solve their problems. And you're like, we better vote. Like, we gotta vote, guys. We really, we need to vote. Yeah. Even if you don't think it's cool, like, it's not that hard to register. You gotta do it. Fun fact, I found out I wasn't registered until, like, my junior year. (laughs) But then I took care of it. Yes. So take care of it. Take care of it. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great place to end it. Let's do it. Maddie Khan. Thank you so much. Pleasure. That was awesome.